Section 19 of Rudder Grange. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rudder Grange by Frank R. Stockton. Chapter 10. Wet Blankets, Part 1. We certainly enjoyed our second day in camp. All the morning, and a great part of the afternoon, we explored. We fastened up the tent as well as we could, and then, I with my gun, and Euphemia with the fishing-pole, we started up the creek. We did not go very far, for it would not do to leave the tent too long. I did not shoot anything, but Euphemia caught two or three nice little fish, and we enjoyed the sport exceedingly. Soon after we returned in the afternoon, and while we were getting things in order for supper, we had a call from two of our neighbors, Captain Atkinson and his wife. The captain greeted us hilariously. "'Hello!' he cried. "'Why, this is gay. Who would have ever thought of a domestic couple like you going on such a lark as this? We just heard about it from old John, and we came down to see what you are up to. You've got everything very nice. I think I'd like this myself. Why, you might have a rifle range out here. You could cut down those bushes on the other side of the creek, and put up your target over there on that hill. Then you could lie down here on the grass and bang away all day.' If you'll do that, I'll come down and practice with you. How long are you going to keep it up? I told him that we expected to spend my two weeks' vacation here. Not if it rains, my boy, said he. I know what it is to camp out in the rain. Meanwhile, Mrs. Atkinson had been with Euphemia examining the tent and our equipage generally. It would be very nice for a day's picnic, she said, but I wouldn't want to stay out of doors all night. And then, addressing me, she asked, do you have to breathe the fresh air all the time, nights as well as day? I expect that is a very good prescription, but I would not like to have to follow it myself. If the fresh air is what you must have, said the captain, you might have got all you wanted of that without taking the trouble to come out here. You could have sat out on your back porch night and day for the whole two weeks, and breathed all the fresh air that any man could need. Yes, said I, and I might have gone down cellar and put my head in the cold air-box of the furnace, but there wouldn't have been much fun in that. "'There are a great many things that there's no fun in,' said the captain. "'Do you cook your own meals, or have them sent from the house?' "'Cook them ourselves, of course,' said Euphemia. "'We are going to have supper now. Won't you wait and take some?' "'Thank you,' said Mrs. Atkinson, "'but we must go.' "'Yes, we must be going,' said the captain. "'Good-bye. If it rains, I'll come down after you with an umbrella.' "'You need not trouble yourself about that,' said I. "'We shall rough it out, rain or shine.' "'I'd stay here now,' said Euphemia, when they had gone, "'if it rained pitch.' "'You mean pitchforks?' I suggested. "'Yes, anything,' she answered. "'Well, I don't know about the pitchforks,' I said, "'looking over the creek at the sky, "'but I am very much afraid that it is going to rain water to-morrow. "'But that won't drive us home, will it?' "'No, indeed,' said she. "'We're prepared for it, but I wish they'd stayed at home.' "'Sure enough, it commenced to rain that night, "'and we had showers all the next day.' We stayed in camp during the morning, and I smoked and we played checkers, and had a very cozy time, with a wood-fire burning under a tree nearby. We kept up this fire, not to dry the air, but to make things look comfortable. In the afternoon I dressed myself up in a waterproof coat, boots and hat, and went out fishing. I went down to the water and fished along the banks for an hour, but caught nothing of any consequence. This was a great disappointment, for we had expected to live on fresh fish for a great part of the time while we were camping. With plenty of fish we would do without meat very well. 
We talked the matter over on my return, and we agreed that as it seemed impossible to depend on a supply of fish from the waters about our camp, it would be better to let old John bring fresh meat from the butcher, and, as neither of us liked crackers, we also agreed that he should bring bread. Our greatest trouble that evening was to make a fire. The wood, of which there was a good deal lying about under the trees, was now all wet and would not burn. However, we managed to get up a fire in the stove, but I did not know what we were going to do in the morning. We should have stored away some wood under shelter. We set our little camp table in the tent, and we had scarcely finished our supper when a very heavy rain set in, accompanied by a violent wind. The canvas at one end of our tent must have been badly fastened, for it was blown in, and in an instant our beds were deluged. I rushed out to fasten up the canvas, and got drenched almost to the skin, and although Euphemia put on her waterproof cloak as soon as she could, she was pretty wet, for the rain seemed to dash right through the tent. This gust of wind did not last long, and the rain soon settled down into a steady drizzle, but we were in a sad plight. It was after nine o'clock before we had put things in tolerable order. "'We can't sleep in those beds,' said Euphemia. "'They're as wet as sop, and we shall have to go up to the house and get something to spread over them. I don't want to do it, but we mustn't catch our deaths of cold.' There was nothing to be said against this, and we prepared to start out. I would have gone by myself, but Euphemia would not consent to be left alone. It was still raining, though not very hard, and I carried an umbrella and a lantern. Climbing fences at night with a wife, a lantern, and an umbrella to take care of is not very agreeable, but we managed to reach the house, although once or twice we had an argument in regard to the path, which seemed to be very different at night from what it is in the daytime. Lord Edward came bounding to the gate to meet us, and I am happy to say that he knew me at once, and wagged his tail in a very sociable way. I had the key of a side door in my pocket, for we had thought it wise to give ourselves command of this door, and so we let ourselves in without ringing or waking Pomona. All was quiet within, and we went upstairs with the lantern. Everything seemed clean and in order, and it is impossible to convey any idea of the element of comfort which seemed to pervade the house, as we quietly made our way upstairs in our wet boots and heavy, damp clothes. The articles we wanted were in a closet, and while I was making a bundle of them, Euphemia went to look for Pomona. She soon returned, walking softly. "'She's sound asleep,' said she, "'and I didn't think there was any need of waking her. "'We'll send word by John that we've been here. "'And, oh, you can't imagine how snug and happy she did look, "'lying there in her comfortable bed, in that nice, airy room. "'I'll tell you what it is. "'If it wasn't for the neighbors, and especially the Atkinsons, "'I wouldn't go back one step.' "'Well,' said I, "'I don't know that I care so particularly about it myself.' but I suppose I couldn't stay here and leave all Thompson's things out there to take care of themselves. Oh, no, said Euphemia, and we're not going to back down. Are you ready? End of section 19